0: M. S. W. Media. Welcome to the Daily Beans for Friday, December 3rd, 2021. Today, Judge Amy Berman Jackson said in court that Trump stoked the riot and should be held accountable. New details emerge about Mark Meadows' attempts to reach out to other agency officials to push election fraud conspiracy theories. Sidney Powell could be disbarred. Mark Meadows tells Newsmax his book is fake news. And the Kraken Strike Force is ordered to pay over $175,000 in the sanctions case. I'm your host, Allison Gill. Hey, everyone. Happy Friday. A little bit later in the show today, I'm excited to talk to Glenn Kirshner. We're going to discuss Jeffrey Bosart Clark and the Department of Justice and what's going on and what's not going on. It's a very good discussion. So I hope you'll stick around for that. We've got a lot of news to get to. I just opened up a filing in court from Judge Linda Parker. She was the one hearing the Kraken sanctions case brought by Detroit and Jocelyn Benson. Megan Whitmer, that whole group. And um, they have to pay $175,000. It says plaintiff's counsel does not identify nor does the court find a reason to adjust the $21,964 fee award sought by the state defendants. While the court finds merit to some of the plaintiff's attorneys' objections to the $182,000 award sought by the city's attorneys, it rejects most of them. For the reasons discussed uh, above, the court reduces the city's award by $28,906. So an award to the city of $153,000 is an appropriate sanction for the conduct discussed in the court's August 25th decision. So it is hereby ordered Sidney Powell, Lynn Wood, Howard Kleinhandler, Gregory Roll, Stephanie Lynn Juntilla, Emily Newman, Julia Haller, Brandon Johnson, Scott Hagerstrom. They all jointly and severally are to pay the following amounts in a totals over $175,000. Thank you. So that's a fun thing. We're going to go over that in detail this weekend on Sunday's Mueller, she wrote, because, well, you know, I just like to go over those kinds of really well-written rulings. And this one is falls into that category. Uh, We do have a lot of news to get to for today. So let's do that. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. A federal judge suggested Wednesday that Donald Trump and others who spoke at the Stop the Steal rally at the Ellipse on January 6th should be held accountable for the U.S. Capitol riot that followed saying the then president, quote, stoked the crowd and might have inspired what happened. Though she did not refer to Trump by name, District Judge Amy Berman Jackson said during a sentencing for riot defendant Russell Peterson that the former president and other speakers at the Ellipse riled the crowd and explicitly encouraged them to go to the Capitol and fight for one reason and one reason only, to make sure the certification of the election didn't happen. There may be others, she says, who bear greater responsibility and should be held accountable. That's what she said to Peterson. But this is not their day in court. It's yours. Jackson joins the ranks of several federal judges in Washington who have sharply criticized Trump for his inflammatory speech at the Ellipse, with one judge saying last month that the rioters were pawns provoked into action. While Jackson stopped short of laying full responsibility at the feet of those who spoke at the rally, she and other judges have lambasted Trump and even suggested he may face legal consequences. Jackson has handled many politically significant court cases from the Trump era and its aftermath and she's known for her sharp criticism of his administration. She handles a number of the more than 670 capital riot cases and has repeatedly disavowed attempts to frame rioters as political prisoners and called attention to what she considers dangerous lies about the 2020 election. And we also know she's been really harsh on line prosecutors under this Department of Justice for low sentencing guidelines or not sentencing guidelines but low recommendations sentencing recommendations and low fines. You know, she's been very vocal about that and will continue to listen to what she has to say. And former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows's new cooperation with the January 6th House Select Committee could give investigators a valuable window into how Donald Trump and his allies tried to enlist government officials to pursue baseless election conspiracy theories. That's an effort new CNN reporting reveals and that Meadows was central to this in weeks after the 2020 election. And according to multiple sources that spoke to CNN, including former Trump officials and others with direct knowledge of what was happening behind the scenes at the White House, Meadows reached out to some of the country's top national security officials in an effort to connect them to Trump allies who were pushing unfounded claims of foreign election interference and voter fraud. Not only did Meadows try to get top government officials to investigate baseless conspiracy theories being espoused by the likes of Rudy Giuliani, Mike Flynn and Sidney Powell, crack and strike force, who just had to pay $175,000 in sanctions fees. He also passed along conspiratorial materials himself, including YouTube videos and other information that alleged widespread evidence of voter fraud. That's according to these sources. These and other actions Meadows took on behalf of Trump were not necessarily driven by his strong belief in the validity of the claims, but instead his desire to please a president who was hyper focused on injecting baseless conspiracy theories of election fraud into government channels, official government channels. And at one point, Meadows contacted national security officials at several agencies with what he says was potential evidence of a massive conspiracy by China to hack the U.S. election by using thermostats to change results in voting machines. That's according to two sources with direct knowledge of the situation. According to one of those sources, Meadows reached out to officials at the FBI, the Pentagon, the National Security Council and the ODNI, Office of Director of National Intelligence, to tell them about election fraud claims including the China thermostat allegation, which Flynn and Powell had been pushing. (laughs) Hmm, interesting. Couple that with the news we got earlier in the week that the Department of Justice out of the D.C. U.S. Attorney's Office is criminally investigating Powell's Kraken lawsuit funding. Couple that with, with this story and things get interesting. And then there's more, more on Sidney Powell. Former lawyer for Donald Trump filed lawsuits across the U.S. for Trump on behalf of Trump hoping to overturn the 2020 election, has on several occasions represented to federal courts that people were co-counsel or plaintiffs in her cases without seeking their permission to do so. And the Guardian has learned this. And that's according to Murray Was reporting for The Guardian. Some of these individuals say they found out that Powell had named them only once the cases were already filed. During the same period of time, Wass continues. Powell also named several other lawyers with their permission in those instances as co-counsel in her election related cases, despite the fact they played virtually no role in bringing or litigating those cases. And we remember this from the sanctions hearings in Michigan. These lawyers were like, I didn't even know. The one lady was like, I was working from home and I was only working on it for five hours, so I shouldn't count. I shouldn't have to pay sanctions. Both Powell's naming of other people as plaintiffs or co-counsel without their consent and representing that other attorneys were central to her cases when in fact their roles were nominal or non-existent, constitute serious potential violations of the American Bar Association model rules for professional conduct. That's according to top legal ethicists talking to The Guardian. Now, Powell's misrepresentation to the courts in those particular instances often aided fundraising for her nonprofit, Defending the Republic. Powell had told prospective donors that attorneys were integral members of her elite strike force who had played outsized roles in her cases, when in fact they were not really involved, if at all. And the State Bar of Texas is already investigating Powell for making other allegedly false and misleading statements to federal courts by propagating increasingly implausible conspiracy theories to federal courts that Biden's election was illegitimate. And that's part of that Michigan hearing that we just got the $174,000 order for. The Texas Bar held its first closed door hearing regarding the allegations about Sidney Powell on the 4th of November. Investigations by state bar associations are usually conducted behind closed doors and largely opaque to the public. And he goes on here to say a federal grand jury has also been separately investigating Powell as we said defending the republic as well as a political action committee that goes by the same name defending the republic PAC for fundraising fraud and that's according to records also reviewed by the Guardian. And back to Mark Meadows. He went on Newsmax on Wednesday night and agreed with Trump that his new book is fake news. Ahead of next week's release of his upcoming memoir titled The Chief's Chief, the Guardian reported that ex-Trump official writes in its page that former President Donald Trump first tested positive for COVID on September 26, three days before the first debate with Biden. Trump somewhat denied Meadows' account, claiming he did not have COVID before or during the debate. In response, on Wednesday evening, Meadows sheepishly agreed with Trump's assessment of the reporting in his own fucking book. I believe the president said it's fake news, he said. What's the story here? And Newsmax anchor Rob Schmidt asked, prompting Meadows to answer, well, the president's right. It's fake news. The ex-Trump official insisted that in his upcoming book, he actually outlined how Trump had a false positive test, but then got two subsequent tests that showed he didn't have COVID during the debate. Meadows added, and yet, you know, the way the media wants to spin it. It's certainly, uh, you know, to be as negative about Donald Trump as they possibly can while giving Joe Biden a pass. But Meadows wrote in his book that the ex-president scored a negative from a rapid antigen test, which is very flawed after testing positive. And in reality, Trump wasn't tested before the debate because he arrived late to the event. Fox News anchor Chris Wallace, the moderator of that debate, later acknowledged there was an honor system for the two candidates to arrive, having already tested negative. Even the reliably pro-Trump Newsmax anchor seemed a bit skeptical of Meadows' explanation. He's like, really, dude, really? (laughs) And finally, a broad voting rights lawsuit filed after the 2018 Georgia election for governor is finally heading to trial as soon as February where plaintiffs will argue that state voting laws are discriminatory and unconstitutional. U.S. District Judge Steve Jones said in court Monday that a two-week trial could begin the week of February 7th, over three years after the voting rights organization Fair Fight Action sued in the wake of Democrat Stacey Abrams' loss to Republican Brian Kemp. It will be the first voting rights case to go to trial in Atlanta's federal court in at least a decade. All right. We'll be right back with the host of Justice Matters, Mr. Glenn Kirshner, to discuss Jeffrey Beausart-Clark and the Department of Justice. Good good discussion. Stay with us. You don't want to miss it.
1: After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey,
0: everybody. It's AG. And today's episode of The Beans is brought to you by BetterHelp, bringing you professional online counseling at affordable costs. And we could all use some support in life. You know, I've had PTSD. I still struggle with that and anxiety. And to me, it's always better to get help and guidance rather than to try to deal with problems by yourself. But asking for help can be hard. That first step can be tough, but BetterHelp makes it easy and convenient. You can message your counselor anytime from anywhere in the world. You get timely and thoughtful responses and you can schedule weekly meetings by video or phone. And it's more affordable than offline counseling. Financial aid is available. And if you need to change your counselor, it's always easy and free to do so, which is great. Visit BetterHelp's website and read testimonials like this one by user KE, who says, Natalie is an absolute joy. Not only is she easy to talk to, everything she suggests is very effective. In one year's time, I've gained so many tools to help with my anxiety, and I've gleaned quite a bit of insight on myself. So visit betterhelp.com dailybeans. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com dailybeans, and you can join the over one million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Special offer for Daily Beans listeners, you get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com dailybeans. And today's show is also brought to you by Chili Sleep. Did you know women especially are higher risk of poor sleep quality because of hormonal changes that can disrupt your circadian rhythm? That negatively impacts your overall health. And this can later lead to hot flashes and night sweats in up to 85% of women. That makes sleep really difficult. And, you know, if you put the cell phone down at night, turn the lights off, turn the TV off, your body still needs a final trigger to let it know it's time to go to sleep. And that trigger is a decrease in body temperature. That hacks your primal response and convinces your body it's time to go to bed. And that's where Chili Sleep comes to the rescue. Chili Sleep makes the Uller and Cube Sleep Systems, which are customizable, hydro-powered, temperature-controlled mattress toppers. They fit right over your existing mattress and provide your ideal sleep temperature. These luxury mattress pads keep your bed at the perfect temperature for deep sleep, whether you sleep hot or cold. And as part of the overall scientific study conducted by the Wake Forest researchers, Chili Sleep's cooling bed products were shown to significantly reduce the frequency of night sweats by 86% and the frequency of hot flashes by 64%. You know, I've had trouble falling asleep for as long as I can remember, but I've already been sleeping so much better since I started using Chili Sleep. So head over to com slash beans to learn more and check out a special offer available exclusively for Daily Beans listeners and only for a limited time. That's Chili Sleep C-H-I-L-I sleep.com slash beans to take advantage of our exclusive discount and wake up refreshed every day. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I'm joined today by my good friend, host of Justice Matters. Please welcome Glenn Kirshner. Hey, Glenn. How's it going? Hey, AG. How you doing? I am so excited to talk to you today because based on your thousand years or 24 years of prosecutorial experience in the D.C. U.S. Attorney's Office, of which we now have a D.C. U.S. Attorney. He got there November 5th. What does it look like? I want to talk about Clark here, Jeffrey, Mr. Jeffrey Bosart Clark, who penned multiple letters to multiple states trying to get him to overthrow their slate of electors and appoint a new slate of electors or just not send any electors to throw the election to Donald Trump based on lies that the Department of Justice was investigating and had found corrupt problems with those states' elections. And a letter was sent. Uh, he's voted to for contempt in the committee, as we know. That's in the rules committee today. It still has not gone to a full House vote. And they've given him Saturday to come in and plead the fifth on the record, and can we talk a little bit about that pleading the fifth in your prosecutorial experience? What what does that look like? What does it mean? Is it a blanket thing? Does he have to answer each question individually? How does that look?
1: Yeah, ordinarily, when a witness wants to invoke his or her Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination, they appear on the subpoena. They're placed under oath, and the questions begin. So, you know, state your name. You can't invoke the fifth, Jeffrey Bosart Clark, because you have no right against self-incrimination regarding your name. So what happens, A.G., is we go through question after question after question. And when it gets to an area where the witness might incriminate himself, if he were to testify truthfully, he invokes the fifth. He says, upon advice of counsel, I'm declining to answer that question Um, based on my Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination. Then you move on to the next question and you go through your entire list of questions. And then what that does is it sort of um, it sets out the parameters of the topics that the person claims he has a Fifth Amendment right of self-incrimination and can refuse to answer. And then generally we will litigate that down the road and a judge will ultimately decide whether the witness does have a viable fifth or does not. So that's the way it's supposed to happen. But what did Jeffrey Bosart Clark do the first time around? He showed up and he was full of bluff and bluster. He claimed some pretend privileges that he doesn't actually have. And then he stormed out without really complying with the subpoena at all. He's a lawyer. He should have known that what that would get him was a contempt referral. And it looks like Congress is halfway there to referring him for criminal prosecution for contempt of Congress. And now we've got this quirk where they said, okay, we're gonna give you a mulligan, come on back. And on Saturday, we'll give you an opportunity to frankly what we call purge the contempt. That's actually a thing. There's a process in the grand jury where if I were to present a witness and that witness were to lie, that witness can actually contact me generally through his or her counsel and say, Mr. Kirshner, I'd like to go back in the grand jury, testify truthfully and purge the contempt. And that there's a procedure for that. And I assume Congress would also follow that procedure sort of generally. But we now know that Jeffrey Bosart Clark. I don't know why I can't stop saying this. <laughs> hey, don't Bosart that Clark. There's a joke in there somewhere.
0: Yeah, there so. <laughs>
1: So his lawyer said, you know what, he'll come back on Saturday, but he's going to plead the fifth. So it's an open question, A.G., as to whether that means he kind of remains in contempt from his first failure to comply with the subpoena or whether that will somehow now remedy it deter Congress from criminally referring him for prosecution. Now, here's what I'll say at the end of the day. The Fifth Amendment, much derided, much mocked, even Donald Trump said only mob bosses who are guilty of something plead the fifth. It's an important right. And let me tell you, after yesterday's argument before the Supreme Court, I think we need to hold tight onto every constitutional right we have um, because that may change soon. And the Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination at its core means the police can't beat a confession out of you. That's a good thing. We embrace and we appreciate the wall that is erected by the Fifth Amendment between the government and the citizens, right? That doesn't detract from the fact that if Clark pleads the Fifth on Saturday, that will be a high government official, a former Department of Justice official saying, I've committed crimes against the United States and I can't testify truthfully about any of it because I would incriminate myself. A.G., we have been talking about whether there's a Department of Justice investigation open into the higher-ups of the insurrection. I happen to believe they are looking at that, but setting that aside, if you have a DOJ official basically announce that he committed crimes in his effort to overturn the election's results, the Department of Justice must, must, initiate a full, fair, robust criminal investigation of that. How can the DOJ look at crimes committed by one of their own high officials and say, nah, we're not going to investigate that. That would be cronyism at best and deeply disturbing corruption at worst. I also think it moves us in the direction of the need for a special counsel.
0: Yeah, I've been wanting a special counsel for a long time, mostly because I want the declinations. If you're not going to do something, I want to hear about it. And that is required by special counsel to report those declinations. But to me, it seems like a lot of people are upset that he might not be referred for criminal contempt. But to me, pleading the fifth to these specific questions is a bigger deal than getting a 30 day conviction, possibly in a trial that happens next year or in 2023, for not showing up at all in the first place. To me, that pleading the fifth is a much bigger deal.
1: I agree. And and you know what? A a criminal referral for a contempt of Congress charge, as satisfying as that would be, I predict that will end up being small criminal potatoes vis-a-vis Jeffrey Clark in the future. Because based on the public reporting, he was in a conspiracy to commit offenses against the United States in violation of 18 U.S.C. 371. And Donald Trump was his co-conspirator. And helpfully, he actually committed an overt act, which is required to be proved if you're going to prove a conspiracy. Because he wrote that letter, as you said, to the Georgia state election officials saying, here's your blueprint for corruptly overturning the election results. I mean, so criminal contempt is wonderful, but he he is going to be facing some serious criminal charges, provided. The DOJ, you know, starts to investigate and indict.
0: And and I think they will. And I'll tell you why, but I got to take a quick break. Will you stay with me? I will. Thanks, everybody. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG and this Helping the Beans is brought to you by Beans, Beanbox to be exact. Beanbox connects coffee lovers to some of the world's best specialty coffees with expertly curated tasting flights, perfect for gifting. I love my new beans routine. It's like giving a gift to myself. It's fun getting to open a new box, unbox it, And you find a flight of unique, amazing coffees that I would never get to taste otherwise. I love trying the variety of different roasts, and it's all such high quality across the board. Such delicious coffee and freshness is guaranteed. Every Beanbox order is roasted fresh and delivered at peak flavor. Best of all, you support small roasters with every sip. Beanbox sources all their coffee from some of the best artisan roasters in the United States. So for the coffee lover on your gift list, there's no better way to say happy holidays than with Beanbox. They'll get endless variety and they'll get to explore award-winning coffees handpicked by Beanbox's resident coffee expert. You can try the deluxe coffee and biscotti tasting box. That's eight gourmet coffees paired with dunkable handmade biscotti. Yum. Or the World Coffee Tour box. That's a globetrotting trip through 16 of the world's best micro-lot coffees. Give the coffee fanatic in your life an unforgettable coffee tasting experience with Beanbox. Order today at beanbox.com dailybeans20, and you'll get 20% off purchases of $40 or more with promo code DAILYBEANS20. That's 20% off purchases of $40 or more with promo code DAILYBEANS20 at beanbox.com DAILYBEANS20. And today's show is also brought to you by Wealthfront, helping you invest smarter and easier. A lot of investment apps make it easy to start trading, but just because it's easy doesn't mean you're good at it yet, you know? And that's why Wealthfront makes a huge difference. They make it easy to invest and they make it easy to get smarter about it. You can start with Wealthfront's classic portfolio or make it your own with socially responsible funds crypto trusts, or hundreds of other options. Either way, they'll get you set up in minutes with a portfolio you can count on for the long term. Wealthfront was designed by financial experts to help turn your good ideas into great investments without the hassle of doing everything yourself. You're protected from unnecessary risk because your portfolio will be diversified across asset classes. And if you don't want to spend hundreds of hours trying to lower your tax bill, they help you do that. And if you're not sure how to rebalance your portfolio, they do it automatically. Wealthfront is trusted with over $27 billion in assets, Helping nearly half a million people build their wealth. Get your first five thousand dollars managed for free at wealthfront.com slash dailybeans. It takes just minutes to start building your wealth. So visit wealthfront.com/slash dailybeans. That's wealthfront, f slash dailybeans. Welcome back talking to Glenn Kirshner, host of Justice Matters, and we're getting into the nitty-gritty of the Department of Justice, cause we had a itty bitty teeny glimmer of hope this week as we found out that months ago in the D.C. U.S. Attorney's District of the office there in that jurisdiction, they, they impaneled a grand jury and the person who signed some subpoenas for this grand jury is named Molly Gaston. She's the person who's also responsible for the Bannon criminal contempt prosecution. They impaneled a grand jury and they're looking into the funding of the Kraken lawsuits, which includes not just Sidney Powell, but Lynn Wood, Mike Flynn, Rudy Giuliani, Patrick Byrne, and of course, Donald Trump. Because they had meetings together, and you can't invest. The DOJ investigates crimes, not individuals, right? And so that they would have to look at all of that and the totality of it, and and the fact that she's the signatory on there kind of says to me this might be a bigger probe than just what's in Sidney Powell's PAC funding. But that it's good to know at least that for months now they've had a grand jury impaneled and were criminally investigating, and we didn't hear about it. And then furthermore, with the Bocart Clark situation, we do know that the inspector general of the Department of Justice has been investigating those DOJ officials since January, since January 25th, and that Merrick Garland swore under oath, testifying to Congress that he would take whatever recommendations the inspector general handed him with regards to those former DOJ officials and also took away their privilege, right, their their invocation of some kind of privilege. And those steps indicate There's at least a potential for an investigation if one isn't happening already. I was wondering what you thought about that.
1: Yeah, I believe one is happening. And as you just point out with respect to um, uh, Powell, one has been up and running and we've heard nothing about it. What does that tell us? That investigations actually can be entirely covert, hidden from us. Right. The way, frankly, they're supposed to be. I also have maintained since my former office started investigating the insurrection, that they're not just looking at the foot soldiers and then putting blinders on when they begin to learn information about the organizers, the funders, the planners and the insiders. For goodness sakes, they're investigating it all. That doesn't guarantee indictments, but they're investigating it all, I'm convinced. And here's the other thing. It may be that this is an unusual investigation with Congress sort of taking the investigative lead in some ways, albeit for legislative reasons, with the IG's office of the Department of Justice taking the lead in some ways as sort of an, you know a check on a Department of Justice gone mad, at least the prior Department of Justice. And maybe the Department of Justice proper, the prosecutors, are investigating quietly in a way that doesn't expose the investigation as ordinarily investigations get exposed by like subpoenaing high profile civilian witnesses. So they have to get lawyers. So then those lawyers talk amongst themselves or perhaps to the media and we begin to learn about this investigation. It could be that the the witnesses who are being presented to the grand jury on the bigger fish are exclusively law enforcement agents who are privy to any number of witness accounts and law enforcement it, you know you can present their their testimony which would be hearsay about what other witnesses said before you have to pull those witnesses in have them get lawyers run the risk of the investigation being exposed listen this there's no blueprint For how to best investigate an insurrection, right? (laughs) They're making it up as they go along and they're doing the best they can. And I don't care what anybody says. There are a lot of naysayers out there, but I believe DOJ is investigating, even if it's an unorthodox way to do it. And here's the other thing I'll say AG, when we hear Adam Schiff, our ears perk up when he says, you know, there's no indication. Okay, first of all, I take everything Adam Schiff says to the bank, but Congress, Has potential defendants in their midst. I'm not suggesting Adam Schiff is one of them, but Merrick Garland, I think, has a keen interest in not letting any information seep out about a pending investigation into Congress because he doesn't know who the potential targets are, what members of Congress, what staff of members of Congress. So maybe. That's why they're keeping such a tight lid on it. And maybe that's why even reliable former prosecutors who are now members of Congress like Adam Schiff haven't been hearing anything about it.
0: Yeah. And a question along those lines, Tristan Snell, who's a prosecutor, insinuated that perhaps Jeffrey Clark is going to plead the fifth to protect a criminal investigation he might be part of at the Department of Justice and I wanted to ask you, because you you and I have talked about this a lot. You say, look, if I'm a, a federal prosecutor, I want to get them before anybody else gets them. I want to get that witness to my grand jury and get their deposition in there and their testimony in there before anybody else gets it. It doesn't make sense to me that he would be pleading the fifth in order to keep a criminal, parallel criminal investigation of the Department of Justice under wraps. There's, I feel like there would be other ways to protect the secrecy of your witnesses in a federal case, I feel like there would be other ways besides having them plead the fifth in that other venue. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I, I agree. And I think we're all sort of grasping for whatever straw we can when it comes to, OK, how can we plug in what we just learned about Jeffrey Clark's conduct and have it be consistent with a really super secret grand jury investigation be being underway? I. I Don't fight that urge. I indulge it because I'm trying to figure it out because there is no blueprint. But I I kind of agree with you, A.G., because why would Jeffrey Bossert Clark have gone into the select committee a few weeks ago and played the fool? Just been a bluff and bluster. And I'm going to invoke executive privilege and attorney-client privilege and magical unicorn privilege. and, And then he storms out. Right. That doesn't feel like it was designed to protect an ongoing grand jury investigation. So that doesn't make tons of sense to me. But like I say, there's no blueprint. So it could be between then and now somebody at DOJ had a long, hard talk with the former DOJ official and said, look, sport, here's what you're looking at. You might want to get on board right now or you're going to get run over by this train. And he said, I plead the fifth. And when do you want me at your office, Mr. Prosecutor or Miss Prosecutor?
0: Yeah. yeah. And and again, it's it's just we're not supposed to know. <laughs> and I think that that makes the DOJ a pretty easy target yeah. for criticism. But I will say I will criticize the hell out of them if they do not prosecute or in, at least investigate. They might not be able to come up with enough evidence per criminal federal procedure to indict Trump, say, for seditious conspiracy because maybe they can't prove intent or whatever the the situation is they might not have enough evidence, et cetera, but at least to investigate and, and try. And again, that's why I want that special counsel so that if they don't prosecute, they got to write out a big, fancy report telling me why. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I think that I think special counsel, because now that one of their own, a former DOJ official has, is is intending to plead the fifth. I mean, that just heightens the need for special counsel, because do we really want the Department of justice criminally investigating one of its own and all that will entail literally interviewing and grand jurying dozens and dozens of DOJ officials. I mean, that's why, you know, we ordinarily don't let a police organization investigate alleged crimes by its own members. That's like Bill Barr looking into his own misconduct and clearing himself of all crimes. I mean, so I think I think the need for special counsel is, is higher today than it was before Clark, you know, is, is going to plead the fifth.
0: Yeah. And, and my hope upon hopes, and I have many, is that once the inspector general, if they are already hasn't sent that report uh, on DOJ officials over to Merrick Garland and made recommendations because inspectors general can conduct criminal investigations if they have or when they do, that that will be reviewed and a special counsel will be will be named. Or maybe maybe Garland will want to take that himself because he has sworn to us that he will do whatever the inspector general says he should do. So we will have to wait and see. And I I hope everyone isn't expecting that inspector general report to become public because it would severely jeopardize, cripple and potentially thrash any potential criminal investigation that would uh, that report would be slid over to Merrick Garland on the down low.
1: But I will say, I kind of hope we haven't seen any public testimony now in the 250 plus uh, interviews that the House Select Committee has conducted. I mean, that's a pretty remarkable number of interviews, but I kind of wish they would put Jeffrey Bossert Clark on TV on Saturday. Yeah. When he appears, because I want to see him say when he's asked the question, What did Donald Trump ask you to do vis-a-vis the presidential election? I I plead the fifth. Uh, I I would like to see that, you know. Mm. So I would like to see precisely what questions he believes would incriminate him. I don't pretend we're going to get that. But you know what? If they had to break with their precedent of not televising these things, I'd kind of like to see them break it now and put it on Saturday night primetime.
0: Yeah, well, I imagine if they, you know, get him behind closed doors which this one will be uh, although I would like to see it. I imagine that uh, when they do start doing public testimony, they will call him back and subpoena him to come testify publicly and say what he said and answer the questions that they now want to feel comfortable posing to him and and get that out into the public record. And if he defies that, then they can make a referral for criminal contempt again. And then also we need to remember document production doesn't fall under Fifth Amendment rights and privileges. And, and he could refuse to hand over documents, could, and that could trigger a criminal contempt filing, even yeah. if he does show up and plead the fifth.
1: And that gets a little bit more complicated because producing a document in and of itself can conjure up a Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination, but that's, that's a topic for another day. <laughs>
0: topic for another day. Thank you. And if you want to get more information on all of these topics, you need to check out Justice Matters and, and follow Glenn. on on the social medias, because just incredible amount of information. You put out a video a day and and, uh, I really appreciate what you're doing. Thanks, Ag. All right, everybody, stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hey, everybody, it's Ag for The Beans. Think about how many hours we spend sitting at our desks or watching TV. Uh, But what if you could turn those otherwise inactive times into opportunities to burn calories and get fit? That's exactly what you can do with QB, C-U-B-I-I. It's a compact elliptical unit that fits easily under your desk so you can pedal while you're working and get a workout while you're sitting at your computer. In fact, I'm using it right now and you can't hear it because it's whisper quiet and it's super easy on your joints. And as a recent clinical study confirms, it helps burn 84% more energy than just sitting there. We all say I'd work out more if I had more time. Well, QB makes it easy to burn calories and stay active anytime, virtually anywhere. In fact, you can set uh, your QB up in front of the couch to burn some calories while you're watching movies. QB is also perfect for anyone who might be housebound or otherwise needs something to help improve circulation and keep active. So if you have a parent or loved one who has limited mobility and needs a way to stay healthy, QB would be the perfect gift this holiday season. I love my QB. I know you will too. Take advantage of QB's 30-day risk-free in-home trial and turn your least active times into your most productive opportunities to stay healthy with QB. Visit QB.com beans to find the QB elliptical model that's right for you. That's QB, C-U-B-I-I dot slash beans. Everyone, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, And it's Fry. Yay. That means Amy Carrero is here. Hi, Amy. Hi, I missed
2: you last Thanksgiving. How was your Thanksgiving?
0: It was wonderful. had a very good uh, Thanksgiving with my chosen fam.
2: Good. I saw your tweet.
0: Thank you. Thank you very much. How was yours? Did you have a nice one?
2: I did. We went to New York and we saw my uh, my daughter-in-law. Nope. My uh, niece (laughs) dance at Thanksgiving. I'm actually 85 at the Thanksgiving Day Parade. So that was kind of (gasps) cool.
0: Oh, awesome. Amazing. Yeah.
2: yeah. So that was How fun. Cool. And and now I'm in Seattle doing uh, Emerald City Comic Con. So,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know, happy to be here. Happy to have made it and not caught Omicron.
0: Yeah. Because, yeah, well, you're Shira, so you should be OK. I
2: know. And I, have, I got my booster, so I'm extra Shira.
0: Yep. Extra Shira. If you want to be like Shira, get your booster shot. Get your boost. <laughs> my boost I get tomorrow morning. So, yay. Good. All right. So first up. Before we get into the good news, and if you have any good news, corrections, confessions, whatever you want to send us, you can do that by going to dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact. But before we get into listener submitted good news, I want to tell you about an award-winning podcast I think that you will love. It's from Wonder Media Network. It's called Womanica, and it is a daily history podcast where you learn about different incredible women from throughout history in just five minutes. I know. This month, they're covering visionaries, a wide array of photographers, filmmakers, visual artists from around the world it's incredible Ooh. so stay tuned after the credits for the latest five minute episode it's a little bonus Ooh, for you i'm
2: gonna stay tuned yeah. i'm gonna stay tuned i'm excited
0: yeah it's gonna That's be awesome cool. so, okay i'm gonna kick us off with this amazing submission i can already tell from the photo from yeah, uh, uh, Teresa. pronoun she and her moment of duh,
2: <laughs> duh. okay
0: and This is like when you have one of those revelations like you and I were talking about, like when I realized that the logo for the post office wasn't a man with a bird head and his (laughs) pants pockets turned out. This is a moment of duh. Until a couple of years ago, I thought when dignitaries came to Washington, they were treated to a steak dinner. I wondered what they served people who didn't like steak. I felt sorry for the vegetarian delegations. You're the first person I've admitted to that I was unfamiliar with the term state dinner. For the vast majority oh, my God. of my life, he's <laughs> 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 going to attend You're a steak America. dinner. We're
2: eating steak. <laughs> this
0: is America. Eat me. Tough shit. <laughs> also, I've attached a photo of my boy Lincoln, who was born on Inauguration oh, Day.
2: Babe. Wow, that's going to be a big. Dog. Is that going to be a big dog? Or is it was already a big dog. I can't tell.
0: Uh, yeah, th- look I at mean, pause. Look at the feats. Yeah, you can all, yeah. What a honey, a and biggie. just in a Bjorn. That's so, so cute. adorable. So cute.
2: You know what? I this isn't the biggest dog. You know what I mean? Because like, there is such a thing as like, I'm gonna take you to steak dinner. You know what I mean? That's a thing. Yeah um but Uh, mm -hmm. but yeah a state dinner is like a you know it's a big deal right like you dress up and then like john travolta dances with like princess diana right Mm -hmm. i think (laughs) all right (laughs) on that note next up i think (laughs) michelle pronounced she and her i was fascinated ag to hear about your father's wartime work i have a similar story about my mother she grew up in tasmania ooh uh, the eldest girl and second of eight children. So she gave up a high school scholarship to help her mom with her younger children. When world war two broke out, my granddad heard about a Morse code class and asked my mother if she'd like to take it. She did. And she came out top of a class. Granddad knew she was so smart. She was offered an advanced class in Melbourne with the air force. R a a F is that RAF RAAF, yeah. and topped that class, too. She was offered a place in the WAAF, the Women's Auxiliary Air Force, uh, which was the female arm of the Royal Australian Air Force during World War II. Granddad had to sign the papers because mom was underage, and he did so with pride. My mom, who was now in uniform with 12 other women, all of whom had signed the Secrecy Act before their training began. They excitedly went to their first class and discovered they were learning Japanese! Oh my gosh, how cool. This pioneer group of 13 women became the first female intelligence group in Australia. They were trained in interception and code breaking. My mom had the unusual skill of being fluent in Japanese, provided it was sent in Morse code. How funny. Uh, But she wasn't able to talk about her work until I was in my teens. And this was the first time her parents learned what she'd really done during the war. We were so very proud of this sweet, humble, and extraordinary woman. For my pod tax, here's a photo of my mom to the right in uniform with friends connie and joy also two photos of my rescue lula pronounced like Talula but without the ta sound <laughs> one as a kitten and the other all grown up she rescued me but that's a story for another time
0: oh. look at these brave ass women
2: wow so rad come on
0: what a cool story michelle and the kitten is adorable kid is adorable
2: <laughs> how what a skill my god how long did that take i want to follow up like was yeah, this years of training or what because like yeah there's no crossover between japanese and english none at all so it's like you were truly learning a whole new skill set
0: yeah real and morse code yeah so in he- backwards in heels Two
2: languages yeah. yeah wow very amazing cool.
0: Next up for Maria, pronounce she and her. This Thanksgiving was so much better since we got to spend it with family and met new friends who also despised the orange walking colostomy bag yes. with bad hair. <gasps> <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> the OWCBBH. <laughs> I don't want to jinx myself, but there are other nifty developments to be thankful for. Color Ooh. me paranoid, I know. But I'm deeply thankful for your warmth and humor and the fact that every time I listen to you, I'm reminded that there are so many more like-minded, reasonable mm-hmm. people out there listening along with us. That's such a good point. So true. You gave us hope during the darkest days of TFG and we're so very grateful for that. Take care, stay safe, and listen for the loud purring noise coming from our house. <laughs> Pod pet tax. although we had to put our 21-year-old purr bucket boots, the gray dude, to sleep. You still have a very attentive listener and our black main coon cat naven aka navy beans aka oh, beans. beans he hears the intro to your show and thinks you're singing his praises i swear look at that main wow. coonies beautiful also, 21 that's
2: incredible. a 21
0: year old per bucket named boots wow. so adorable Oh, Thank you for that. Yes,
2: thanks for sharing that. Especially today, man. I was so bummed out listening to all that stuff about the Supreme Court and like all mm-hmm. that shit that Amy Coney Barrett said yesterday. I was just like, oh, bummed out. So this is very good. Okay, next up we've got Martial, I think, or maybe it's Marshall, by the way. I don't know. Is it Martial or Marshall? What do you think? Mm,
0: Martial. Marshall?
2: Martial. Okay. Pronounce he him. Hi, A.G., Dana, and Amy, and the rest and the rest. (laughs) My heart is full, and let me tell you why. I went to Chesterfield Square, L.A., Animal Shelter, because I heard shelters in Los Angeles were full. John, my fiancé, and I have been talking about adopting a second dog, so I decided to visit the shelter since I started a new job across the street from the shelter. They showed me a bunch of puppies. They were all adorable, but I would have to come back for when they would be available for adoption in the next couple of days. To be honest, it was depressing to see so many animals in need of a home, but on my way out, I noticed this little guy's face sticking out. I asked if I could see him, and they told me that he was an older dog. He's eight years old and had been available for adoption for a few days, but no one was interested. (laughs) We actually wanted an older dog since they have a harder time finding a home due to medical issues. I called John right away, and we decided we would adopt him if he was still available the next day. I had to go back to work. I went back first thing in the morning and he was shaking. He was so cold and he was scared, but we, but he recognized me from the day before. He just wanted to be next to me, so I adopted him. Hmm. I want you all to meet the newest member of my our family, Frederick the Duke of Chesterfield, Fred for short. <laughs> he needed a royal name, so he, since he looks... To be a part corgi, yes. Fred is such a good dog with great energy. He is healthy, but with a lot of dental issues, which we are taking care of soon. Fred is so full of love, I can't take it. He has become my best friend in such a short time. Please, everyone, find someone who looks at you the way Fred looks at me. I know this sounds corny, but... It was Fred who rescued me. Oh, my God. The second person that said that today. (laughs) He has brought so much happiness into my life. Here's some pictures of my special little guy. Hope he makes your heart melt as he does mine. Hashtag adopt. Don't shop. (gasps) Oh,
0: Oh, he's so adorable. Look at the love in his eyes. Oh, my
2: God. What a baby oh my god
0: (laughs) and you got a little scarf for him and it's knitted oh this is this is amazing this
2: is very cute i just can't i i know that like there's so much suffering in the world whenever i see a dog though or a cat i just i lose my shit i don't know why but me too i'm so glad he's found a very loving home
0: yes thank you marcial beautiful beautiful baby all right beans court secret santa edition pronouns he and him Hello, your honors, Amy and A.G. I don't know if it's the fact that I could stand to lose a few pounds or the fact that I spend a lot of time on my feet walking, but I have a tendency to chafe. Yes. Sometimes I'm so tender down there at the end of the day, I can hardly stand it. Mm -hmm. I'm sure we all know the feeling. That's where I need the court's guidance. Yep. I found some underwear that changed my life, and I want my male friends to experience the same joy I felt. I want to give a few close guy friends in my life underwear for Christmas. I need to know this is not weird. (laughs) Uh, uh, uh. good weird or just too weird am i overthinking this (laughs) i would rather give anonymously but i don't want to raise issues with their wives or girlfriends hilarious
2: oh my god should
0: i not be anonymous and just try to normalize dudes giving other dudes underwear thanks for your wisdom and understanding i
2: think this is i think it's a great idea i do i don't think it's weird at all I, i i would be and here's the thing like This is the thing for a lot of people. And I actually thought you were going to say, because I did find this one brand that has like thigh rescue or something. It's like for chafing. And but mostly like when, you know, people wear shorts in the summer or whatever. But if you found underwear, that's so much better than like rubbing yourself up with like oily crap for the rest of the day. I think it's a great idea. I don't think it's weird at all. I think it's nice.
0: Yeah, I don't think it's weird either and if it is a little bit weird, it's funny weird. It's funny weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. you will have something to joke about in years to come when they say, yeah, like that one time you gave me some underwear for yes. Christmas. And and,
2: and everyone you might, will
0: have a good laugh.
2: <laughs> and you might be surprised how many of your friends don't wear underwear. You might be surprised. <laughs> and then, then that's a then that's a weird surprise for you and then we, we both win. <laughs>
0: yeah, and then Everyone who listens to the Daily Beans and Luguminati wins when you gift this and then yeah. write us back and tell us how it went. <laughs>
2: yeah, please tell us how it went. Do you remember, did we have one uh, submission once? This was maybe like two years ago or maybe a year ago, where where this person from like, I think it was the Netherlands or something, had a really annoying neighbor and like, we got a bunch of updates about it. And then like yeah. this person put like something on a mug because a neighbor was always fighting with her husband or something. And, and then they were like, is this a weird gift? We're like, give her the gift. But I don't think we ever got like the update. So I really would appreciate an update about the chafing yeah. underwear or the non-chafing yeah. underwear.
0: Yep, for real. Yeah, I'm with you. I ran, when I ran the half marathon, I used Body Glide, yeah, right? Body Glide. Which is, yeah. And, um
2: but, you know, it's not comfortable. I mean, I'd rather just have like, not have to put stuff on my skin
0: yeah totally i think it's a wonderful gift i don't think anyone will think it's weird and like yep. i said if they do think it's weird it'll be weird funny
2: yeah yeah and,
0: um, yeah you definitely i agree uh, go for it and then let us know how it goes yes. that's it that's a good news for today before we get to this premiere episode of womanica do you have any final thoughts
2: Um, uh, I guess if I just could what shamelessly self-promote, I'm in uh, Seattle. If anybody wants to come and say hi and, you know, take a pic or whatever. I'm at the Emerald City Comic Con this weekend and I'm a little nervous because what if people are like, you suck? I don't know. I don't know why I'm nervous because I've I've met people before, you know, I'm not like a hermit and uh, they've always been very nice. So for some reason, I'm just like worried that people are going (laughs) to just like hate me. I don't know. But if you're around in Seattle, please come say hello. I would love to see you. And other than that, like, thank you for sharing this good news. Like I said, it's been like a weird one this week. So I'm very, very happy to get something uplifting.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? You know, you're smart, you're talented, you're beautiful, you're Shira. Yeah. Everything's gonna be totally fine.
2: It'll be fine.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I always got I, like the first couple shows we did. I, I was like, are there gonna be people in the audience yelling, "You suck"? And yeah, it, it yeah, yeah. Know. Of course not. Happen.
2: I mean, and if there is, then you've made it. Yeah. If you have a heckler, like how great is that?
0: Yeah, a hundred percent agree with you there. Yes. They know you. That's what matters. Yeah. They know who you are. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. You piss them off. You make them feel something. So that's good. And
0: that's what you say. Oh, at least you know who I am. I have no idea who you are. Yeah.
2: And they're like, <laughs> um, ma'am, uh, they're going to escort me out for being rude to like the guests or whatever.
0: <laughs> they're, they're all like, uh, I'm not in Shira," And you're yeah, like, yeah. yeah, that's right. You're not. And then, like, mm, you know, kicked out. Do the snap. Walk away. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right, everybody. I, I hope you have a wonderful and amazing weekend. And I hope you have a great time at Emerald City Comic Con. Yes. And everybody you. in Seattle, stop by and say hello. Give some leguminati love to our very own Judge Amy.
2: I got a Amy booth. Carrero. Come to the booth.
0: Come to the booth. Maybe I'll booth? do the dun-dun. <laughs> dun-dun. Yeah. <laughs> do it. Yeah. Bring your court cases to the Comic Con. Oh, my God, please. It. That
2: would really change it up. <laughs> truly, because... I think what I'm going to get a lot of is, can you say for the honor of Grayskull? But imagine, oh, my God, imagine my delight. If someone was like, I don't need you to say for the honor of Grayskull. I just need you to settle this case. Very, <laughs> yeah, very my quickly. cat
0: keeps shitting in my shoes <laughs> and I yeah. need your advice. Oh,
2: I love it. I love it.
0: <laughs> All right, everybody, please have a wonderful weekend. Tune in this Sunday to the MSW Book Club. We're doing Here, Right Matters with Alexander Vindman and also Mueller. She wrote the podcast. We're going to be going over some interesting court filings that happened late today. Uh, you don't want to miss it. So until we speak again, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet and take care of your mental health. I've been Alison Gill. And I've been Amy Carrero. And them's the Beans. Yay. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit MSWmedia.com.
3: Hello. From Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, and this is Womanica. This month, we're highlighting visionaries. Today, we're talking about a woman who is a pioneer in the fields of photography and botany. She was the first person to publish a book illustrated with photographs, and her innovation demonstrated the novel ways science and art could intersect. Here's a snapshot of Anna Atkins. Anna was born in Kent, England in 1799. Her father was John George Children, a well-respected scientist who worked at the British Museum. He was also the very first president of the Royal Entomological Society in London. Because of her father, Anna grew up immersed in scientific thought and regularly interacted with people in the scientific community. In the early 1820s, Anna began to work regularly alongside her father. When he published an English translation of Jean-Baptiste de Lamarck's catalog of shells, Anna was the one who did the illustrations creating more than 200 scientifically accurate drawings of shells that were included in the book. In the 1830s, Anna turned to botany as a way to further her scientific interests. At the time, botany was a thriving scientific field. Anna began to curate her own collection of preserved plants. She gave some of her specimens to botanists at Kew Gardens, a renowned botanical garden in London. Anna also struck up a regular correspondence with William Henry Fox Talbot, the inventor of the photographic process. In 1841, she received a camera of her own. That same year, Anna read the botanist William H. Harvey's book, The Manual of British Algae. Anna thought that the book was majorly lacking in its illustrations. She wanted to create a catalog that included realistic depictions of algae so she turned to cyanotypes. Cyanotypes are a type of photographic print. Anna learned how to make them from Sir John Herschel, the method's inventor. To make a cyanotype, first Anna would take a piece of paper and coat it in a mixture of chemicals. Then she would place a piece of algae onto the paper and put the paper and algae in sunlight. The natural UV light of the sun, combined with the chemicals coating the paper, caused the paper around the algae to change color. Anna would then remove the paper from sunlight and rinse it in water. The result was a stunning photographic print, a delicate, detailed outline of algae in white, set against a bright, cyan-blue background. Every detail of the plant could be seen, from the complex, interlocking root hairs at the bottom of the plant, to the large, spread-out leaves at the top and at the bottom of every cyanotype, Anna handwrote the precise, scientific name of the algae depicted. In 1843, Anna published the first copy of her book, Photographs of British Algae, Cyanotype Impressions. It was the first book ever published that was illustrated with photographic images. Anna's book was entirely handmade. Over the next 10 years, she produced 16 more handmade copies each a little bit different from the last. Anna died in 1871 at the age of 72. After her death, her work was largely overlooked by the scientific community. Then in 1888, William Lang Jr., a Scottish book collector, found Anna's book and began exhibiting it at public lectures. Near the end of his life, William sold a large portion of his library, and Anna's work was almost lost to the world. Then in the 1970s, a historian named Larry Schaff unearthed Anna's book and republished her illustrations in a photo book called Sun Gardens. More than a hundred years after the publication of her first book, Anna was finally lauded in artistic and scientific communities as a pioneer in the field of photographic illustration. Anna's work has far outlived her and has gained a wider audience. Her cyanotypes have been exhibited in a range of museums. All month, we're honoring incredible artistic visionaries. For more information and pictures of some of the work we're talking about, find us on Facebook and Instagram at Womanica Podcast. Special thanks to Liz Kaplan, my favorite sister and co-creator. And special thanks to Alessandra Tejeda, who curated this month's theme as always, we'll be taking a break for the weekend. Talk to you on Monday!